Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, everybody. The long summer is over. The winter is winter is coming. Winter is coming all over your face. Um, <laughs> it's Rule of Roost podcast. We're back, bitches. Is that is that misogynistic to say to use that sort of terminology, Raj Baines? It's a bit awkward given you're over thirty now doing it, but I'll let you off, mate. We've we've been off for a while, mate. Come on, we've been over this before. Westwood can do it. He sets the benchmark for this shit. If you're comparing yourself to Westwood, and that's your yeah, role model, you know, and fair, but yeah, I would not role model, but <laughs> an influence of sort. Do you remember when he did the UK version of Pimp My Ride? Uh, I I didn't I didn't ever watch it, but I do remember him doing it. Yeah, it was awful because, um, unlike America, we've got the MOT to pass, so you couldn't ever have too much stuff sort of you know piled in it because you you wouldn't be able to sort of make it road legal. So it was essentially we've done you a service and stuck a bit of a body kit on your Ford Fiesta. Can you o- over here, that? it really is a case of uh, actually, sir, that that spoiler is 0.5 of a millimeter too large over a specified government regulation, so you'll have to take that off immediately. You know. Yeah, and we've got speed bumps to go over and all that shit. So. Roundabouts. <laughs> yeah. So they've, um, yeah, it was always amusing just to see sort of they'd stick 10 TVs and more technology in one small car in America than you could fit in a house here. And then you'd see that our version of Pit My Ride and it was, you know, absolutely nothing. It, was, it really was just we've serviced your car and um, made sure it's, you know, fit and safe to drive. And we've given it a few uh, extra licks of paint and that's about it. You know, you you just saying your car has just reminded me of that. What's her name? Trish thing of me. You know, I'm, I'm in my mum's car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brum brum. Her mum looked right like Jimmy Savile as well, didn't she? Oh, I don't Christ. know. If yeah, she did. R.I.P. Vine. She uh, she um, she she got quite a lot of flack, didn't she, Trish? In the end. I can't remember. I can't say I followed it too closely, Jack. I, I think there was that, you know, that whole sort of uh, internet trajectory of she got really big doing those kind of like videos and no one really knew if it was a kind of Jerry Jackson, Devo style, <laughs> like wind up. And then it did sort of seem to be actually a girl with learning disabilities. So when everyone was like piling into her, then came the second wave of like, actually we shouldn't be making fun of this person because she's vulnerable and this is quite bad and awkward and then the final wave of it was like everything that we found funny about this was probably problematic in the first place so all the best thing is well yeah um when did you turn into my uncle raj 
I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I've gone a bit Brexit over the summer. <laughs> You're getting on a bit as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I'm going more right wing as I go older, yeah. Yeah. Um, how has your summer been, Matt? I'm assuming you have been listening intently to all of us. When I've done my little uh, about turn as being like, I'm not really tetrunkin. <laughs> I'm taking off the mask and I'm I'm going to go serious for a bit. Um, yeah, well, I like that you say it as if you don't know the answer. The fact that I text you after every episode and said that I really enjoyed it. And then before we came on air tonight, I said I really enjoyed your summer. So clearly you... For ego purposes, just want me to repeat myself again. Me? For the record. Me? Ego? Um, no, no, mate, no, mate, I'm taking a piss. They were, no, they were all really good. I mean, um, even sort of the ones that are more informal, the ones that weren't with you know professors or historians or the like, were really interesting. Listen, it's completely different to what we do. We've just talked about a fucking meme from 2012 for the first two minutes of this. So um, it made a nice change. And all the... All the feedback you got and everything was um, was really pleasant. So uh, no, thank you for for sort of somewhat associating me with with good content. It doesn't often happen, um, but no, it was um, it was good to hear. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad. Uh, and you can actually listen to all of those episodes on it. No, no, right. I, I know you've all listened to them already. Um, but moving on to your busy summer, though, mate. Like less about me. Let's let's talk about you, Ralph Baines. Okay, you're writing a book, mate. I am, I am. Um, it's called Underdog. I feel like um, I, I'm on, suddenly on like radio or something trying to promote it, which essentially I am. But yeah, it's called Underdog. It's uh, the subtitle is the inside story of Huddersfield Town and their 2016-17 promotion campaign. Um, so it's a proper book, proper published. You can buy it, pre-order it now. Um, but it's you know access from the club they're they're partners on the project it's officially endorsed by them uh they've been really good with access and and speaking to people everyone that i wanted to um so essentially a sort of a backdoor look into how the club operated and how it's been changing since david wagner came in in november 2015 and essentially why this little small town club that um season tickets cost nothing for and you know only about ten thousand people used to go and watch it a few seasons back uh, suddenly filling houses and in the premier league and you know the the quickness with which that change has happened means that you know within the length of a book sort of it's going to be 70 to 100,000 words long, so 300 pages odd, uh, depending on how it's formatted, um, hardback and everything. Uh, you can essentially plot what they did to go from a team that had never finished higher than 17th, I believe, in the championship, still last season had the fourth lowest spend in the championship, to now having a Premier League status. And, you know, Spurs will be coming here to my hometown on the 30th of September, which is something I've wanted for my entire life. Every that, time that's going to be in. bizarre, isn't it, mate? Yeah. It, it, to be honest, when when Spurs tweeted out their first eight fixtures or something of the season in a GIF, and there was a picture of Huddersfield's crest and uh, John Smith's in the background, it was really bizarre because every time we've had a cup draw, a Carling Cup or FA Cup, I've always wanted... You know Huddersfield away as a as a game for Spurs, um, but you know they're going to be here, and I've got, I've got a season ticket on halfway, so I'll be able to watch my own team in my hometown, which has been a a lifelong dream, really, as sad as that sounds. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really lovely. I mean, uh, people have asked me loads, really, which is I found strange. Is um, is it going to be hard for you when those two teams play each other? And it's it's like no, but. I've, 
quite happily see Tottenham score 10, but my best case scenario is that Tottenham win 38 games next season and that Huddersfield win 36. So it's not a second team. It's not a team I'd have the cheek to say I support because you, I haven't really. Do you know how much of a fucking idiot I am? For a second, I was like, why? Who else do you want to beat them? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, just a no, second. But... It was just a second, but no. it was enough that I even had to ask that question internally. Um, yeah. No, but, but you know what I mean. It's um, the reaction to it since I shared it. Yeah, no, two days ago has been um, has been really pleasant, and uh, publishers are saying that pre-orders are already coming in from far and wide. Apparently, so if you've if you listen to this podcast for free for what is it now four or five years, then uh, I think it's quite quite dear to be honest for a book. I think it's like seventeen ninety nine. Uh, which you know is uh, it's quality market quality, mate. Market quality. Well, yeah, I've I've got nothing to do with how much it costs or anything. So if um if you don't mind and you you've ever liked anything I've done in terms of writing or what have you, then you can have that unfiltered and and in a, if, a longer form. If you follow Raj on Instagram, all the pictures of him on yachts, lighting cigars, and all that stuff. <laughs> so no way linked to uh to his book sales either. My um, you can tell I'm I've been working loads because my Instagram feed has essentially become pictures of the odd magazine next to a coffee because I, I didn't want to share the news or, or look like a twat with my Mac in a picture next to a flat white. So I thought <laughs> the odd picture of the New Yorker or the Sports Illustrated might seem make me seem more highbrow than still keyboard. still makes you seem like a bit of a twat that night. Less of a twat than uh, than the Mac does, or I mean, it's a different brand. I mean, it's cooler for sort of if there's lasses following us and they th- sort of think, oh, he might have a brain rather than sort of think. Takes you to the inner workings of my mind that, that I'm sort of engineering my personal brand for any single woman that maybe viewed my Instagram profile. You've um, you've got the old turn Instagram file though to 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 pick up another demographic of girls as well, all the ones of you in a snapback in the gym and a fluorescent vest <laughs> as well, right? Yeah, with uh, joggers with a drop crotch on <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Co- cover all bases, cover all bases. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know you've. You, you can't, uh, beggars can't be choosers, as I say. Oh, well, you know, mate, take, take what you can get. Um, yeah, book, book is coming, pre-order it. And I, like you touched on there, though, I think, just just before we do move on to more Spurs stuff, I mean, like, you know, whatever, you know, if, if people have listened to this, they want to support Raj, then do it, get his book, you know, you know what the man's about now. You know, if you want to hear his, his thoughts on Huddersfield, do it, you know, support him. It's not just, it's not it's just my thoughts. Um, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm bigging you up here, mate. But, but also... Yeah. Also, you know, if any Spurs fans are wondering why they should get this, it is, you know, if you're a fan of football, it's a pretty miraculous story, as you've said. And yeah, I'm I didn't write assuming it. Assuming you present it in a very interesting way. So yeah, I didn't write it just for Huddersfield fans. It's it's sort of it's down the middle because uh, that's what I wanted it to be. I didn't want it to pander to any audiences for any reason. Um, so any questions I've asked anyone at the club, to be honest, they're not just. Um, they're not just the easy questions like, oh, how fun is it to be in the Premier League? It's not a fluff piece. There were there were things that went right and wrong last season, so I've asked them all them same questions as well. I bet you have. <laughs> Kyle Walker. Kyle, Kyle Walker. What are your, what are your immediate thoughts? Should, should we have sold him to Man City? A title rival. And we can actually say that now. A title rival. Should we have sold him to them? It sounds as if Pochettino made the decision, so you you can't really argue with him if he 
saw fit to do so, then yeah, sell him. Um, towards the end of last season, it was quite clear there was something amiss. There was reports that he'd already put his kids in school in Manchester, and that he was, you know, looking to move back north because uh, that's where he wanted to base himself. Um, so you can't really have any arguments in that case. He's given the club years of service, um, and it's rare now for a player to stay at one place for as long as he had at Spurs. It was slightly strange the manner in which he left. That there were, you know, all those reports or whispers coming out of the club that sort of the the spine of the time side uh, has essentially ostracised him, and you know he was on his own. He got sent on that special mission with Vimmer, Son, and Ben Davies, who were sort of the uncle kids of the group, to South Korea when everyone else was um, in Hong Kong. So it was clear that the the club were aware that he wasn't part of the main group and they weren't treating him as such any longer. Um, so it's sort of, it was a hidden secret, really. The only the only troubling aspect of it is that sort of they didn't bring anyone in before. If The way in which to have dealt, this, dealt with this and sort of appeased people and even sort of for the club to have dealt it better in terms of building the squad is you know he's going, you know how much you're asking for him and you know that Manchester City have the resources to just go out and match it. You spend that money before it's come in. Mm. And it's not as if you're not it's not as if Spurs are that tight with cash at the minute, even with building the stadium and everything that's going on, that they couldn't spend twenty to thirty million and then sell Kyle Walker the week after and say and have that money in so that they know they've they've sort of what's going out is coming in. It's they're not it's not you or I who sat there looking at something and thinking, Oh, can I afford three days of me overdraft? It's a massive company. It's 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 an awkward one because I don't I don't actually dispute anything that you're saying. And I, I also appreciate that Spurs are probably in a tricky position in so much as Pochettino, you know, I think we can take it quite clearly wanted him to go. The player wanted to go. But Man City were probably the only team that were willing to pay the sort of money that Spurs wanted for him. So it's a bit of a catch-22 in that respect. So I do take it on that basis. But waiting, it probably is a good move. But there's still something about it. Well, the main thing that bothers me is that he has... I, I don't buy this revisionism that... He's not a good player. And I know you haven't said that. I'm just he was the best right back in the league for yeah. the past two seasons. And he has definitely made City a better team. That and, yes. and that's 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 the angle of it that bothers me. Um and I guess you you're weighing it up in the respect that all of the factors mentioned already versus making City a better team, what's the better trade off for Spurs? And really like you're saying now, had we replaced him with someone else, maybe this Pereira, I don't know, I, I can't vouch for how good or not this Pereira lad is that a lot of people have linked us with, but somebody else to fill that void, you could probably get over this a little bit more. Um, and well, I'm, Given I'm, that we, yeah. knew, we knew about this for maybe a month before the season ended, mm. that's when the internal conversation should have begun and the identifying should have begun. They should have, you know, it's not, it's not as if Spurs haven't done deals in the past where they've had a player signed up in an agreement with another club in place before a window has opened. It happens all the time. You just need to get sort of everything signed off so that the contract begins on July the 1st. And you do that straight away. And then when Kyle Walker goes, the, the fans can see that there's clearly 
a plan in place that it, it's really it's it's bad PR to be honest to well th- this to is it. It. I mean because we're seeing it this now like whether or not I mean there's no real point going on to whether or not you think Trippy is going to be a good enough replacement or not because there's two schools of thought on it and whatever we've probably done this one to death but the the fact of the matter is that Pochettino has this week said that Carl Walker Peters is definitely not ready for the Premier League then that that does like you say throw into question what the fuck have we been planning then because we we can't be going into a season with one right back and we're seeing quite clearly now why you can't do that um the only the only the only slant I would put on Pochettino saying this thing about Carl Walker Peters is that if I recall correctly, even when he was regularly playing Harry Kane and Harry Kane was scoring goals in his fledgling Tottenham career, Pochettino still kept reiterating the message that Harry Kane was not ready for the Premier League. Um, but he still kept yeah, playing him and Kane still kept um, scoring. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Carl Walker Peters start the season at right back. There's no, no doubt me, in my mind me. having seen him play in the summer that he's good enough. And it's a great point you bring up because that's essentially Pochettino's way of protecting the player. Because let's say he does step up to the Premier League and he drops an absolute bollock, pressure gets to him and he shits the bed. Pochettino can say, you know, worst has come to worst. We were pushed into a situation that we didn't want to be in. And, you know, we shouldn't judge him on this performance because it was never a performance we wanted him to give. Because the alternative is that he comes out when he's asked about him and go, yeah, he's he's already better than Kyle Walker. He's the dog's bollocks. He's going to be the best right back in the league this season. You sit back and wait. And suddenly all the pressure's on him. So if if he doesn't perform to that level, there's an expectation that's been put on him directly by his own manager that can then be turned into a stick to beat him with. And, you know, we, we talked about bad PR. That's, that's the worst way of handling it possible doing it sort of the more humble way and sort of almost perversely playing down how good he is to give him that basis to either sink or swim and essentially protect him either way because the only thing he can do now is exceed expectation because he's he's not been written off by his manager but his manager just said oh he's not quite ready yet so if he does come in and he's the same player we've seen in pre-season and does apply himself as we think he can then there's nothing wrong with with what Pochettino said because people will then suddenly go, oh, look at this young kid, isn't he so good? Maybe Spurs really did know what they were doing all along. So I, the- I mean, there, there is also this like weird disconnect, isn't there, where people think that it's it's totally beyond the realms of reality that Pochettino may well be behind closed doors saying to Carl Walker-Peters, look, lad, I'm going to say to the press you're not ready because I want other teams to underestimate you. You know, but I th- I think you're fully ready. I'm going to play you, but we're going to use this to our advantage. It's all a fucking game of chess, you know. It, it, Do you I, remember before the Arsenal game that Danny Rose scored his first ever goal, um, Premier League goal in? There was a, an interview with Harry Redknapp after the game where he referred to a pre-match interview he'd given to Sky because, as we all know with Harry Redknapp, there's not enough times that he can go in front of the cameras, where he said... I mentioned something I shouldn't have done before the game about a left-sided player with a left foot. And he goes, I didn't want to do that because when I named the team, I didn't want Arsenal to be prepared to face Danny Rose because they didn't know enough about him. So they weren't going to be ready to face him. So that clearly if, if a man as sort of obtuse as Harry Redknapp can see the benefit of right. sort of playing a, a quiet card, 
somebody who's as good at his job as Mauricio Pochettino has proven himself to be with the track record of bringing through young talent as he has, then you can't really go against that. He he, he said a similar sort of thing about Deli Ali who was breaking through. He said, you know, yeah, this yeah. team isn't going to be built around him. You know, we're just easing him in so, and all that sort of stuff. But there was no doubt that he ended that season as the first choice in his position in the team. So it's it's something he said and something he's done and a way of, of coping and a way of um, protecting his players. And you you can't really... You can't really expect him to say any different. For him to say that, it's not always going to be the truth. Not everything a, a club ever tells the press is the truth. One of the things that if, I don't want to keep referring to my book because it genuinely does feel a bit insidious to me, but <laughs> um, one of the things I remember, in, I interviewed David Wagner before last season started for four four two, and I asked him about his hopes and expectations for the season um, because... I'd seen how well they'd ended the previous season, even though they'd only just avoided relegation. Um, and they'd brought in all these new players. Everyone was buzzing. Ticket sales had gone through the roof. There was a real sense of anticipation, not just at the club, but in the town. And I said to him, sort of, is, is this obviously feeding into what you're doing? Have you set yourself goals? Are you looking at top half? Are you looking at top six? Um, and he laughed at me and he goes, this is Huddersfield Town. We know where we've come from. We're, we're not going to try and bite off more than we can chew we just want to have a good season and whatever a good season means for us is, you know, whatever happens, as long as we're not relegated, as long as we're not scrapping for things, we're not going to set ourselves any limits. And that that whole thing of having no limits is what followed them through last season. And he never, ever put sort of a ceiling on what he wanted them to do because he he was sort of protecting them because if he kept, he comes out in that interview for me and he goes yeah we're gonna we're gonna be top six we're gonna be the club that's in the top six longer than anybody else in the championships this season which they were and they don't then he's created a, a narrative there to attack him with and you can flip that logic and apply it directly to what Pochettino's doing with his young players. I mean, do you, did you ever have the conversation with your parents before you went into an exam? And sort of the thing that my parents always said to me was, just do your best. That's all we ask from you. We don't expect anything. We don't, we're not saying you've got to have an A, you've got to have, you know, whatever. As long as you do your best, we'll be happy. It's that same sort of mentality. Yeah, Because yeah. It's, it's trying to remove pressure and it's trying to just allow that person to do what they can do as unhindered as possible. So... There has been perhaps too much made of those comments because I think people have taken them more at face value than maybe there's reason to. It's probably because I would say as well, it's all wrapped into Tottenham's summer at large, isn't it? And our lack of signings, really. Um, so people are looking for any sort of news, any bit of gossip they can about the club, um, which does provide us a nice segue into just that. Um, as at the time of recording, we still haven't signed a single player this summer. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the conversations have already been had um, elsewhere in the mainstream media, should we say, the the darsley mainstream media, um, about the fact that if you look at Tottenham's first 11, for us to buy a marquee signing that significantly improves the team, you're looking at ridiculous money. And I, 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 I think, you know, I, I, personally speaking, I haven't been clamouring for like a marquee sign. It'd be lovely to bring in someone like 
Bale or something like that. But to me, that's the sort of level we are looking at to improve what we have. You know, Harry Kane, Deli Alley, Christian Eriksen, Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen, Hugo Lloris, even people like Wanyama, you know, these players are all top, top, top quality. Or each one of those players is a 50, 60 million pound plus player now, looking at the market yes. as it is at the moment, easily. Um, so I think that this idea that Spurs are going to go out and spend that sort of money because we quite simply do not have, at this point in time, as we're building a stadium, the sort of money to drop 60 mil on a single player. I just I just don't think that's feasible. Um, it's a really weird time to be in yeah. the market at the moment. Because I mean, what Andre Gray's just gone for nineteen mil to what <laughs> you know? Uh, um, people uh, sort of they use that tag selling club a lot, don't they? And it's I'm not surprised I didn't hear it more after Carl Walker went. I'm sure they probably were, but I do well enough to try and stay away from that pocket of Tottenham fans if I can. Um, but you know, people accusing Liverpool now of being a selling club because they're being linked with Coutinho going for 110 million or something. Mate, he's, he's, you, he's a 30 mil player a couple of seasons ago, you know. Like, if it's you look great at business, if, if you look at Barcelona, they didn't want to lose Neymar, did they? But somebody paid 200 million for him. I absolutely so, loved seeing them get bullied as well. Sorry to keep this, interrupting you. But. <laughs> no, 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 you're not interrupting me, mate. This is the fucking show. We speak to each other. Um, there's there's no such thing as a selling club anymore. Everyone has their price. And in the market as it is where there's no such thing as too much, people will go for whatever. Uh, Tottenham aren't in the position to play to pay whatever, though. So they have to look for the, the players that are going to become that size of player. Harry Kane, if he was to go, it wouldn't surprise me to see him go for a, a, a sum somewhat comparable to Neymar's, he's over £100 million now without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, oh, it'd have to be. It would Surely it would have to be. Him him and Deli Alli, it would be Neymar money. It would, it, like, I can't see if how it either of those two, If the, either of those two went for £150 million now, I would feel a bit shortchanged. Yeah. And that's ridiculous because last season, if Deli Alli went for 60 or 70, we would have gone, yeah, that's fair enough. But, you know, the, the goalposts have changed and Tottenham cannot be there. And it, I don't think I don't necessarily think being a selling club is a stick to be beaten by given that everyone's a selling club now. It's not as if Tottenham are actively putting players on the market and going, Oh, look, he's superstar level now. Do you want to come and get him? But if somebody wants him enough, then they'll pay the fee that they have to take to, to take them away from it. Everything has its price. Everything has a price, you know? But there is also a value in what Tottenham do in undercutting that market. It's frustrating. Uh, it's something that really gets people's backs up because for some reason the transfer market has become a PR pissing contest. It's a way of sort of playing my dad's bigger than your dad at school is sort of what it is. And you see this, the the main motivation behind PSG buying Neymar from Barcelona from what has been said and written about it isn't that they just wanted one of the best three players in the world. It's that Barcelona apparently disrespected Qatar by taking them off their shirt and essentially publicly saying, we don't want to be associated with this as a brand. And they also uh, made uh, making eyes and trying to tap up uh, Verratti yeah, from yeah. PSG and the people who own PSG are petty enough to go 
okay, we've taken this on board. You've sort of pissed into the wind in our direction. We're going to come and nick your crown jewel now. And it's not Lionel Messi, but he's a bit older. Neymar's the player they wanted to replace Messi, and they can't do that anymore because they set an arbitrary figure of 200-odd million thinking nobody's ever going to pay that. And PSG just went, you know what, we'll fucking do it, and we're going to laugh in your face as we do. It's one of those things, isn't it? I know, you know, it's a whole other conversation. I know there's so much wrong with that money, and I know, you know, people can talk about... Qatar's human rights, you know, record and this kind of thing. But on a on a base football only level, it, it there is something quite brilliant about seeing Barcelona just kind of get this treatment and be reduced to the level of just whinging about it, of whinging, trying to lodge complaints to UEFA about, oh, you know, another club are bullying us or how are we supposed to compete with this? Using the same sort of tactics they've been doing to everyone else in Europe for, what, the past decade? And I, I know Barcelona was perhaps, you know, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago before things started to change behind the scenes. It was a club built on sound principles and you know firm foundations, much like we're seeing with Man United at the moment. A club again, yeah. very much built up the right way. However, once they have built it to a certain stage, just completely pissed in the face of that and have just turned into a sort of monster. So you can well, that's that's the only way they can keep up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course, I mean, of course. But... I don't think Man United fans wanted them sold to the Glazers or want them to operate in the manner they do. But when you know, a shake turns up next door and is essentially using a team that were previously irrelevant to sort of beat you with and and make a you know a rival in air quotes an actual rival all of a sudden. And the the primary reason they've done so is not footballing or sporting ambition. It's to launder their own image because, as you said, they have serial human rights offences that they wish to overshadow with their involvement in a in the most widely viewed and celebrated sporting league in the world bar none that's the reason they're there so you almost have to sell your soul a little bit to keep up with that and that's what Barcelona have done they got rid of UNICEF on the front of their shirts for free to have Qatar on the front because they wanted to be able to you know go dick to dick with Real Madrid and the fact that Tottenham aren't at that place yet isn't something I'm necessarily upset about I actually take quite a lot of pride in the fact that ethically if you will and sportingly Spurs are one of the most sustainably and sort of um, deservedly well-built clubs in Europe at present because even though we're owned essentially by a man who's dodging taxes in the Caribbean and an investment company who's um, business the way they conduct their business may not be the nicest for other people to deal with it's still a damn sight better than everybody else's and we're still not not really stealing talent in the same manner as everyone else where it's sort of been done in the best way possible in the game as it is at present and if we were to win the league or finish higher than the majority of those clubs by using the methods we do now to me that that means far more than anything. If if Spurs were to win the Carling Cup next year, that trophy and that achievement to me means far more and, and signals far more as a sporting achievement 
than any cup that Chelsea have won under Abramovich and any trophy that Manchester City have, have had since they were taken over. It's just a a matter of things being bigger than sports and things feeding into that. I do I do agree to you, uh, uh, I would say, 90%. But I do also feel that with this kind of stuff, we are starting to clutch at straws a little bit. I think football at large is a pretty rancid sport nowadays. So I think morality... Any sort of morality within football does get murkier and murkier, you know. I mean, it does, but there's there's a way of doing that. There's no doubt in my mind that at some point Tottenham are going to give in, and we will just become another super club. I think the the, the NFL inroads. That's the that's the bit that that that's sort of my my flag, if you like, at the moment because the NFL is pretty murky. They're pretty dodgy. Yeah, they are. I mean, essentially those. The players that are all going out there and playing in their league are essentially signing a death warrant the second they put one of those helmets on. And, you know, there's endless research and um, fantastic writing that's been done about the CTE issues and everything. In that it's sport. grim, isn't it? The fact, the fact that, you know, parents in America are in, in certain areas are suddenly starting to have second thoughts about whether they ever want their children to participate in that sport because of, you know, the lasting damage it has on them. Um, is something that the NFL are doing. They've they've got better with in recent years, um, but it's not as if they've ever really fessed up to it or admitted there's a problem or proactively have looked to change it. They're still letting those people go out there. To be honest, there's a certain amount of free will involved because they're they're paid very well for mm. what they do. Um, that that league turns over a ridiculous amount of money and the players get a certain cut of it. So that's that's the reason they're. They're gearing up and doing what they're doing, putting their bodies on the line. But there is a, a point in there where you sort of think, is is sport enough of a reason for these men to be essentially putting an end date and you know pushing up the expiry date on their bodies because of the pressure their skull and their brains are put under? It's, it, it's questionable and it's something that Spurs are now in bed with especially um, when you're risking your body for a sport that's as shite and boring as nfl as well <laughs> sorry i don't it, no it's uh, it's not something i'm a fan of but i'm not gonna we've had issues with uh do you like the narrative around it the pomp and splendor of it all no if bianca is playing the uh super bowl halftime i'll stay up and watch it but it's not my dad enjoys it more than i do i'm I follow basketball more than I do American football. Um, but I think that's more of a cultural thing than anything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kind of, I feel that like, you know, I, can't, I can't really provide any decent examples. And I think the problem is, again, sort of, this is going back to Spurs and their lack of acquisitions this summer. Is it the, 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 the sort of the reflex response to, well, if you're not going to get a marquee, we probably should be signing some squad options which i don't disagree with at all i i absolutely think we do need some squad options but again it's yeah like when you're looking at andre gray going for as we've just said shortly before this call i think it's 18.75 mil or something like that it's around that type of thing yeah it just shows you how insane the market is at the moment um and you know spurs have 
are a club that at the moment we are shelling out a lot for the stadium. We are, you know, it, it, and it's not, I don't think it's just I think a monetary the, thing. It is also, Pochettino has continued to reiterate the fact that he wants a certain type of individual here with a certain type of mentality that is going to slot into this unit that he's established. And that's something we probably shouldn't lose sight of. But at no. the same time, sign some fucking players, Tottenham. Sign I, I do think there is an element of people in the back of their minds or even in the forefront are petrified that we're going to leave this too late and it's going to become another Moose's Soko situation. Because I, you know, I, I do feel that's going to happen, though, mate. That's that's the that's the that's the irritant for me that we, we do kind of have this like holier than now stance. But I think I think Levy's kind of quotes when he was at the whatever it was the Wall Street thing. Um, I think they've been a bit, you know, whatever it is, that big, you know, huge international financial centre. Uh, I think that's its official name, though, that Wall Street thing. <laughs> he, uh, it sounds like um, if they were going to do a uh, romantic comedy about two traders that fell in love over the... That Wall Street thing. When you're dealing in money, but realise <laughs> there isn't a price on love, that Wall Street thing, it'd be Owen Wilson and... Who 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 would who would be the the female foil to that? Oh, Jennifer Owen Hudson Wilson. and Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. No, uh, it would be Catherine Heigl. Yeah, yeah. Shout shout. And there'd be a there'd be a dog. There'd be a who'd be <coughs> Owen Wilson's comedic best friend? Vince Vaughn. Vince... It's written into his contract. You reckon? Okay, okay. All right. All right. Vince Vaughn in his career still trying to replicate that swingers performance and. Every time he does, failing miserably and souring the memory of Vince Vaughn when he was good. And also, just Vince Vaughn's a bit of a bad bastard in real life at the moment nowadays. So I'm sort of gone off. Is he? Yeah, a bit. Um, but before we start going into TV and film, <laughs> I think the the only place where we might we might fall out, mate, and we'll we'll do this just before we uh, we have our Newcastle chat. Let's just right. do it. Let's just have our first disagreement of the the summer. Signings aside, everything aside, the one place that I will openly, I will happily criticise Daniel Lev for, and I don't, I don't, I don't buy, I don't buy the truthers, I don't buy any of it, none of it, get it out of my face, is the fact that we cannot pay Harry Kane more, we cannot pay Toby Alderweireld more, we cannot pay Deli Ali more. I I don't buy it, mate. I don't buy it. I think our wage structure is a sham and I think it it needs to be radically changed. I do. I, I think I think it's it's the one thing that is gonna see us lose very good talent. And where did you read the reports on that? Was it on the Drudge Report or <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's no secret, right? I mean, Harry Kane's our top earner, <laughs> right? What is he's on about 110, 120? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you got Larice shortly behind him on about sort of similar, similar amount of money. Yeah, if not the same. I just, I just don't buy the fact that we we couldn't up that bit. And I, I think I, if you I understand if the cascade that this opens, right? You know, when you start putting people's wages up. You sign more players and they well will know that Harry Kane's getting 200k a week. So they then pitch themselves that. So, for example, we're paying Harry Kane 200k a week last summer. 
Yeah. You can quite conceivably see someone like Vincent Janssen pitching himself against Harry Kane. And whereas Vincent Janssen <laughs> is now getting paid, what, 30k, 40k a week? If that. If he knows that Jan- if he knows that Harry Kane is getting 200k, if he thinks he's his understudy, he's probably going to push more for like 70, 80. No, but if, he, if he'd have played better, he might be able to. But I don't imagine Vincent Janssen has the cheek to go in with his three no, goals to his I'm, name and go, I'm worth the- more to this club. No, no, not not now. I'm talking about when we signed. I'm, I'm using him as an example more. Oh, so when if, we signed him. Yeah, if he's been signed okay. as an understudy to Kane, he I looks. Thought, I thought you meant he was he was knocking on Pochettino's door after Harry Kane's contract no, 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 extension. No. But <laughs> I, I I do see the sort of the snowball effect this creates. However, I, I just think now when you see if Carl Walker does, and it is one of these annoying points. I I can't brush off completely is if Kyle Walker goes and wins the league this year with City and I, I hate to say it, I think City are going to win the league this year yeah I think they'll win about a country mile yeah uh, you know you can see some of the lads thinking Carl's fucked off he's won the league he's probably trebled his wages at City what am I still doing here Spurs haven't signed anyone, and I don't really buy into that so much. I don't. I don't want to start muddying the water with we haven't signed a marquee player, blah blah blah, because we've already gone over that. But I just think the wage structure is a bit of a sticking point, and I do think it's something that needs to be addressed. And I, I don't really buy that we don't have the resources to pay the players a bit more because I think, like, just even just looking at it, like my kind of principled stance on this sort of thing is that. These lads, their talent, their ability is making this club a fuck of a lot of money. They deserve a slice of it. They definitely, absolutely deserve a slice of it. And I don't think they're getting that at the moment. Like the prize money alone from last year is what I think we, Champions League and our league finish, I think we made about 120, 130 million pounds last season. Just that, and you take out the fact the new Nike deal we've just signed, you put factor into that money from the NFL. And I know a lot of it, I, I totally get a lot of this is going into stadium, but we actually took out a loan as well for the stadium. And Levy was on record last year saying that our day-to-day spending is ring-fenced, that the stadium is not going to affect the day-to-day operating of the club. And again, I know we've spoken about PR and X, Y, Z, yeah. But something's got to give at some point. Um the one thing I would I would say to that is that if you plot over sort of the past 10 to 5 years you look at the Premier League in terms of wage spend and you essentially do it as a a graph. You put one down one side you put the wage bill in in sort of spend in pounds bottom end put how many years it's been. Tottenham's has been year on year getting larger and we are every six months signing these players to new five-year deals and upping their wages even more. The only difference is we're not doing it in a lump sum. So -hmm. it's been done gradually. So that would, if that, if that previous record and that proof of them extending the wage bill, periodically didn't exist and there wasn't a historic thing to fall back on and point to is it already happening then I would have the same problem I just think it's a case of they will eventually 
get to the point where they can offer those same wages. I, I think it's something they will have discussed internally because these players have agents. There's no way that Harry Kane's agent went in and asked for 110 a week. They will have just had the conversation where Spurs will have said to them, look, we, we will eventually get to the point where Harry's on 200, 250k a week. And, you know, as a Nike club now, and he's a Nike player, he'll obviously be one of the people we want to make the face of this club. But, not make the face, but keep as the face, yeah, yeah. really. Um, but they can't really... There's a difference between doing it in one big lump sum and suddenly overnight Alderweire of Lorry's Ali Vertonghen, you know, the entire spine of the side as it is at present, Dembele, Ericsson, the rest of them. For them to all go from, you know, 90 to 110 overnight to all earning 100 grand more than they do, rather than in two years all making that same jump but in 50 grand jumps is different. I think it's just a way of Tottenham managing spend rather than doing it all at once. It's sort of, you know, you've got phone contracts and, you know, TV contracts if you pay for Sky or broadband and bills. We don't want the best version of it, but if you were up in your sort of rent and you were looking for a bigger place and everything, you wouldn't that same month go out and take out a lease car and go on holiday and do everything. You wouldn't all want it to fall within the same sort of bracket. And I understand our personal finances compared to the club are absolutely, you know, different, but it's just sort of the way in which I rationalise it because I can't physically think what it would be like to be in charge of that amount of money. I have to sort of boil it down to smaller things like broadband and phone bills. But if, you know, when, when you're saving up to buy something, you know, you're at the moment, you're probably having to think about paying for your wedding and you've got an iMac to replace. If you weren't getting married and you didn't have that to pay for, there's no doubt in my mind you would have been in the Apple shop yesterday going, you know what, fuck it, I want that new brand, brand new 5K iMac Pro because I've got nothing else to spend it on. But you know you've got to manage your finances better because you have other things of bigger priority to pay for. That doesn't mean you're not going to replace or fix that computer eventually because you will have that money at some point. I like the uh, simmering passive aggression here, Raj, as well. It's not, my... it's not passive aggression. It's, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just, it's trying to make it relatable because yeah, I yeah, think yeah. It's, it's really easy to spend somebody else's money. And it's really I, I, easy I to spend somebody else's money. I remember about my uh, iMac not working and you. No, 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 I don't to. care about that. I, I poured one out for the homie yesterday. I know you've had that for years. It made me sad because the, the thought of any of my tech dying petrifies me this literally died in front of my eyes (laughs) but um we'll dedicate this podcast to the memory of your imac um but the 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 thing that exists is you know we compare ourselves to clubs that just deal with their finances in a completely different way because when they reach back into their back pocket it's bottomless and tottenham's isn't rightly or wrongly it isn't we've touched on the reasons of why that is and i don't think that's to do with spending it in different places it's just that there is a fine out amount to spend the fact that we've had to take a loan out to pay for the stadium tells you how different we are to sort of the people who own manchester city or chelsea you know you don't hear of roman ramovich thinking of finance options for that weird wooden chopstick thing that he's building at Stamford Bridge or when they extended the Etihad, they, nobody was talking about them going to the banks and asking for financing for extending a stadium they can't any f- or fill already. So it's 
I think it's just about sort of looking about looking at it from a, a slightly different perspective because it's I, I think it's just a I don't think it's unreasonable I don't think it's um unfair I just think it's it's actually something that the club appear to be addressing they're just not addressing it as aggressively or as quickly as people are used to in the sport as it is at present yeah yeah I'll tell you point. I mean... I mean, the reason that mm. I, I can probably get away with saying it and the reason why, you know, I can get away with probably saying things like morals and all that sort of shit is that I'm fairly confident that Tottenham will win something big within my lifetime going forwards because of the trajectory we are on. And I'm not really scared about where we go to in the future. But, you know, somebody who is older than all both of us perhaps put together, if we were in our 50s or 60s and we wanted to see Tottenham win something before we died, then we probably would go, you know what, fuck it, sell them to a shake, let us win something and I'll have no time to worry about whatever's happening. Yeah. If we were sort of, if we were middle-aged and you know, I don't think people think about football in the same way you or I do because in, in one way or another, it's essentially what we both do for a job is, is think about these sorts of you know minute things and, and look about it in the in the granular details we do for your everyday fan who's sort of only looking at Spurs through perhaps one or two people on Twitter, their friends on Facebook, the people they meet in the pub before and after a game, and whatever's on their Sky Sports News app, they're not going to have the same not understanding, but they're not going to have the same sort of. Um, there's not going to be the same appreciation of the minute details because they will just be able to see what everyone else is doing and they will just do the more simple version of the comparison because there's not everybody who's going to sort of have this same level of conversation. It's just a, it's a different way of thinking about the club. I mean, the amount of times that sort of me and my old man have had this kind of conversation and, and he'll say, oh, why doesn't this happen? Why doesn't that happen? And I will break it down to him and sort of give him my opinion on it and sort of back it up with the facts and figures that I think are the most relevant. He'll sometimes say it that way, but other times, you know, he's a his experience and the context in which he sees Tottenham in is different to mine because, you know, he's experienced Tottenham for longer than I have and his relationship to the club is different to mine. You know, the amount of times that he will happily write off a player before and just go, no, he's not good enough. And it's like, Dad, you used to pay £700, £800 for a season ticket when we were shit. Why are you complaining now? Um, it's just a, a different way of sort of um, dealing with the club, really. I mean, it, nobody's ever going to nobody's ever gonna have the same opinion about something all the time other than that's sort of the, the reason we're in football. I mean, if everyone agreed about everything in football... My job would be gone, <laughs> and you know there wouldn't be, you know that that friction in supporting a club and things are sort of um, sort of half the fun. That's why people compare it to, you know, a family and all that sort of thing as much because there is that level of, you know, you care unconditionally, and you know that boils over it sometimes. So in short, you're saying leave you out? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right well yeah i think that's a that's a very fair point mate um and i think we've covered that one thoroughly um 
Let's talk to Taylor and Bessie from the Truth Faith podcast about our first game of the season, Newcastle United. They're an old favourite here on Rule the Roost. Um, so this promises to be a classic. No pressure. Here he is, the man, the legend, one half of Taylor and Bestie. It's Taylor. Mate, it's been a year. It has. It's been a long time since the rock and roll, mate. How are you doing? Not bad, mate. How are you doing? You've survived. You're back. Refreshed. Ready to go again. How are you feeling? Uh, uh, yeah, good. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, obviously, not a lot's changed because Mike Ashley's still been a shithouse, but, you know, can't we can't... Uh, we can't expect everything to happen overnight, can we? Have you gotten over the joy of trolling Brighton on the last day of the season? Oh, wasn't it fabulous? Wasn't it was it the last day, wasn't it, as well? It was the last minute of the last day of the season as well. Let, let's not forget how left, how long we, we left it. Um, because with three games left, they only needed a point. I think everyone for, kind of forgets that. Or they only needed three points. I, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the, the stats are not important on that one. We won, they lost. <laughs> yeah do you uh i mean on a no no i mean let's not do a serious note it's not no. a serious note at all but no. do you feel that the 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 season in the championships giving you your squad a bit of a refresher have you managed to ditch any deadwood and promote any youngsters and any of that sort of lark that people say is good for doing in the championship well the problem we've got is is that in order to get out of the championship, we have to buy players to get you out of the championship, you know? And those players are not necessarily the ones you're going to keep going forward when you're in the Premier League uh, and on a long-term... John Joe Shelby. Oh, very good. People like... <laughs> <laughs> DeAndre Yedlin. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I quite like Yedlin. I think he's got something. There's something there. We um, could probably do with him right now as much as I take the piss, but... Well, yeah, I mean, you, you you guys saw him in his formative years, um, but I think he was one of our best players last season. I thought he was his, his pace was terrifying. I think it's going to be. But he didn't play him away from home, though, did he? He played Vernon and Anita away from home because he can't defend. Yeah, I think the thing with Anita was he was always Benitez's man. Um, if he when asked to do a job, he would he would do it and not complain, and uh, he would play in any position you asked him to. Um, and he'd do it with a decent standard. I mean, he's not a particularly bad footballer, but I think the championship's a decent level for him, as as shown by the fact he's gone and signed for Leeds United now. So he'll do all right down there. But yeah, I think when when you need to be um, secure at the back and when you need a bit of stability, you don't need DeAndre Yedlin doing 70-yard overlaps uh, for a ball that isn't coming, you know, and leaving a big hole behind him. But it's exciting to see when he's at home and we're firing. So yeah, I don't mind him. Um, and people like Daryl Murphy as well had to, had to kind of go, you know, 33-year-old. 30, you can't be holding on to that guy for too long. He's He's gone back down there to the to Forest. Um, and he'll do a good job. He'll score goals. When he when he played for us, he scored. That's that's all you want. What's his, other, what's his name? The the lad, uh, Gale, isn't it? Who dicks Liverpool in their Gerrard slip season. Marcus he's, Gale. Is that yeah. who it is? Marcus ah. Gale. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that no, Dwight? Dwight, Dwight Gale. Dwight that, Gale. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about Mark, yeah. former Wimbledon player Marcus Gale. Never mind. He was, I think he scored a few against Spurs in his time as well. Oh, everyone Marcus scored. A, everyone scored a few against Spurs in that time, man. Don't worry about that. It did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alan Shearer loved the goal against you a lot. 
Um, yeah, Dwight. Dwight Gale's all right. He's he's um he scored a lot of goals last season, but he had a few injuries as well. Um, and like any kind of player like that who's got that kind of explosive burst about them, um, his hamstrings are made of you know mozzarella cheese, so <laughs> they're liable to go at any minute. Um, and at the minute he's he's struggling with a hamstring injury, which means that everybody's favourite mental Serbian Mitrovic. Is, uh, He's an absolute nutter, isn't he, that lad the, as well? The boy has got a head full of rocks. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. He's He's got the look in his eye of a man who was killed and will kill again. <laughs> <laughs> he, knows, I mean? he knows where the bodies are. He knows where all the bodies are, all of them, yeah. There was, there was a blinding headline about him in the... Uh, in the oh, I'm not going to say the paper because I hate them, but, you know, in one of... In one of those papers the other day, and, and the headline was a quote from him which said, "I used to hurl rocks at trains, but becoming a <laughs> but becoming a father made me realise what was important." <laughs> Good. Makes it sound like he was still doing it while he was uh, a yeah. like, professional footballer. Yeah, just waiting for the Metro to come past at Long Benton by the training ground and just just chucking half wall bricks through the windows, you know. Bless him. You'd be overly surprised though, would you? No, nah, not at all. I'm convinced that he eats glass and you know all that sort of stuff. He's- <laughs> He's, he's he's got something loose somewhere, but hey, I don't mind. It's it, I hope the lad comes good. I, 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 I don't, I, You've been hoping that for about three years now, haven't you? We have. You're right. I mean, I don't rave about him the way some of our lot do that because he pumps his fists around and and says he, he and, and shows that he's got passion. It doesn't necessarily mean to me that he's the right guy to lead our line. I mean, I, I think back to Stephen Taylor. He used to pump his fists and have passion, but he was fucking rubbish. So, you know Stephen, what I mean? Stefan Freund at Spurs, he's another sort of fell into that category. Yeah. And I mean, at some point, that's got to stop and you've actually got to start being good. You know? And when when you when you don't score many goals in the championship and don't, don't get a run out that often against some of the defences down there, um, I don't see how you can expect to start in the Premier League every week. I don't know. I, I'm hoping he's still young. He's only 23. I'm hoping that he's going to get a little shot in the arm and Benitez will give him a talking to but from reading between the lines and from what I've heard from various people and and, and through interviews and stuff I don't think Benitez really fancies him anyway I think he's, he's probably looking to move him out um, for the right money you know so who knows we'll end up with nobody nobody left what about that that Perez because he's I, I mentioned him because he always fucking scores against us oh I yeah he loves a goal against you as well doesn't he yeah. Perez He's a funny one, you know, because I think he kind of went under the radar a bit last year. I think his performance in the championship was a bit underrated because he wasn't starting every week. He was playing the odd game here and there, but when he played, he played well and he he, tended, he scored a lot of goals. I think he, I think he might have been in double figures for the season. I'm sure it might have been something like 11 or 12 goals from midfield, you know, because he was playing as a, as a number 10 rather than as a striker. So uh, the boy's got something. He's a little bit light. Um... But there's something there. I, I, a couple of years back, he was getting linked with Arsenal and all that, wasn't and, it? Yeah, and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and Barcelona as well at one point were talking about looking at him. I mean, this is when he was a young guy at Tenerife, you know. Um, but, hey, if someone, if anyone can get the best out of him, then it's then it's got to be Rafa, you know. Rafa can do that. Um, so, yeah, I hope I hope he comes good. I hope he comes good. But I'm, I'm still not sure if he's up there for the Premier League yet. I, I, I know you guys are um, quite enamoured with with Rafa because uh, of the way he is, but I, I, 
got to be honest, I've never really been a fan of him at any stage just because I, I think he's more of a reactive manager than a proactive one. Mm. Um, when Newcastle came and clearly had the best team in the championship and I saw him at Huddersfield, they won because they sat back and hit him on the break. But it was slightly concerning that Benitez is a natural reaction against such a small club, even though they were challenging for the same sort of positions at that point was to let them play their game and then and to defend first. Is that something that, that worries you at all? Would you rather Newcastle be attack first? Because that's what your most celebrated sides were. You, yeah. you know, the entertainers and everything, they, they didn't win anything, but at least it was fun to watch them fail in, in a strange way. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if, if this season's going to be about struggle, you would rather try and attack that struggle than invite it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I th- I- I think, for me, um, I don't really care how we win as long as we win. You know, I'm I'm not that I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, I don't care if, if, how how badly we play. If we get beat four three, I'm happy. I go home happy. I'm not happy. I'd rather win one nil, <laughs> a scrappy one nil with a ball going in off somebody's arse. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah. I'm I'm not about that. I I want Newcastle to win. I want them to do well. Um, if we play well in the process, then lovely. That's a nice little bonus. You know what I mean? If we don't, I couldn't really give a shit either way. As far as Benitez goes and how what he's like as a coach, tactically and stuff like that, I, at Huddersfield, when they came to St. James's Park last season, I, I know what you mean about sitting back and hitting them on the break. Huddersfield played some of the best football I've seen at St. James's Park in all of last season when they came up. And they beat, I mean, they beat us. You know what I mean? They beat us at home. Yeah. And, and they were, Jack Payne scored light on. That's right. And they were one of the best teams I saw at St. James's Park last season. I thought they were fantastic. I, I, I thought... Really well drilled, really well organized, and 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 a threat going forward. And some of the passing was really good. The thing with Benitez is he'll he analyzes. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Analyzes and analyzes everything to death. He, be- I think he overthinks it. Maybe I don't know. I mean, before before the game, I know I know the rituals and stuff that he goes through with the tactics and the, the videos he watches and all that sort of stuff. And I've been lucky. Taxi. I've been lucky enough to go into the to the training ground to <laughs> fake taxi. I've been. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd ignored that one. <laughs> I should have really shouldn't. I should have ignored that. Never mind. But I was going to say I've been lucky enough to go to the training ground and 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 talk to him and sit there and look at his prep. For the for the games coming up, and honestly, there's I know it's a cliche to say they leave no stone unturned, but he really doesn't. I mean, I think if he if he thought 
Huddersfield's weakness was to sit back and hit them on the break, then that's what he would play to, towards, you know. If he thought it was, I mean, it was bought out. They won, they won three-one in that game, so it's clearly well, it, the method that exactly that, yeah that worked. Yeah. But it, if if I was a Newcastle fan, I'm not sure I would have particularly enjoyed watching that. I mean, I remember watching it, and I was pissed, and I loved it. It was great. <laughs> so. You know, I think I think we can we can get bogged down a bit too much about tactics and about stuff like that. But if your team score in the last minute to win the game, man, that's what football's all about. You know what I mean? It, it, it's the greatest feeling in the world when that happens. So yeah. I I I don't think we can. I think trust him. You know, I, I, you don't win the amount of trophies he has. You don't work with the players he's worked with. You don't yeah. get to the stage he's at in his career without knowing what you're doing. Mm. So I mean, give him the give him the ball and let him let him run with it you know just let him crack yeah. on i think if we if, is there no sorry go on no i was going to say i think if you try and restrict him too much or, or or expect him to do a certain thing then you're going to be disappointed because he'll do what's required rather than what people want do you know what i mean um yeah. i think if you went hell for leather every week in the championship you would have we would have got beaten more times than we did definitely the, the, yeah. that is a hard league man you know yourself there's a yeah, lot of teams yeah. down there playing very good football. I've, I've looked. People underrate that league too oh, much. It's, it's changed a lot, even since the last time you were in there compared to this time. Oh, without a doubt. It's become so much better than it was. Without a doubt. Still without goal doubt. music, though, lads. You know, still play Tom Mark Piranhas and all that. So it can't be that good. Oh, Samba. They do that in the Premier League. Samba de Janeiro. No, they do that. They do that. Leicester, man, honestly. Just fucking <laughs> take that fucking trophy off them because they don't deserve it for goal music. <laughs> <laughs> Are you at all worried by the fact that um, since he arrived at the club, Rafa seems to have had one foot out of the door in preparation of Mike Ashley sort of pissing him off because there, there there's more than once that news and rumours have been that he's going to pack it in because the chairman just isn't... You know, you said let him go and let him do what he needs to do. The yeah. chairman doesn't seem prepared to do that. Yeah, I think when talking from a footballing sense, I think that's what they need to do with, with regards to the... the the, the tactics and stuff like that. When it comes to transfers, obviously Ashley's very tight-fisted with with the money that he puts out there. But a lot of people are forgetting that. Unless he's buying whiskey chasers. Well, yes, and then vomiting in fireplaces. But you know, <laughs> who who hasn't who hasn't done that during a business meeting? Which one of us can honestly say? Um, yeah. Um, no, I think I think with the transfer stuff, we uh, we're in danger of of stamping our feet a little bit too much this season. Um, I, I know that there's need for quality there. I know we need a striker and I know we probably need a left back as well and maybe a creative midfielder. But we have to be kind of careful and we have to box clever a little bit here because we've we've missed out. The year when you didn't want to go down was the year we went down. And we missed out and everyone else got the paycheck. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think from my point of view, the, some of the business they've done so far looks looks pretty good. Um, I like I like the two young lads they've signed uh, Marino and um, and Jacob Murphy look like yeah. prospects, but we need some first teamers, you know. Um, it's all right signing kids, but you're not going to win anything with kids, are you, Alan Hansen? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, nah. But as far as as far as Benitez getting pissed off is concerned, I think he's shown in his career in the past that if he's not happy, he's going to play the game. He can play the press, and he'll be he'll play politics, and he'll put the little the little messages out there when he's been interviewed, you know, 
things have changed. It's not what I expected, da da da. But I've said I'm going to stay. I'm I'm here for the long run, you know. But it's not what I was told. And he'll just keep saying it and chipping away and chipping away. He knows now. He's got the fans on his side. If if he if he went tomorrow, citing uh, Ashley not giving him what he wanted, the fans would 100% be on his side, and they'd be hell on yeah. again. You know, he knows. He can't he can't really do much wrong. And I think this is how close is um. Is Ashley to sell in the club? Is it any closer than it was before? Because I know he didn't want to take a, a championship price for Newcastle United, but back in the Premier League, is there any sort of sign that well he may be putting him back on for sale? Yeah, never flogging him, surely. He wants he wants four hundred million for it. That's he wants four hundred million quid. I mean, I'll, two na- two Neymars. Um, well, yeah, if you're going to put it in 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 new money. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, he wants four hundred million quid for the club. I mean, I want to, I want a night in a hot tub with Scarlett Johansson, but it's not fucking happening, is it? Let's be honest. It's just not happening. So for four hundred million. Well, maybe you know. Maybe. I, I would say I, I don't know. Four hundred mil seems pretty fair, though. Well, I'll I'll, I'll accept two hundred. <laughs> I'll <laughs> I'll take two hundred from her. <laughs> um. What I will say, mate, is the last time we played you is probably one of the most miserable days of my life as a Tottenham fan, which oh. sounds ridiculous considering where the season we'd had and oh, where we wonderful ended up. Day. Mate, it was, it was so horrible. It was vile. It was absolutely <laughs> miserable. Um, you do seem to have a bit of a hoodoo over us. Can you mm. see it carrying over into into this fixture? I mean, what do you make of Spurs at the moment? Well, I, I obviously, when we got relegated, I refused to watch much of the day for a year, so I haven't really seen you. No, I thought I, I thought you were um, I thought you were probably the best team in the league last season, football and wise. Um, from what I saw, you were fabulous, and you've got some brilliant players there. Who I would give my happily give my left bollock to have some of those players now our team. Um, I I think you've got a great chance. I just think you need to spend, you need to spend some money, man. I don't know what's going on. Um, you haven't really signed anybody, have you? I haven't signed anyone. Yeah, unless he's completely happy with what he's got. I mean, are you? How do you feel about what you've got? Are you happy with? We just happy? talked about it before, and I mean, like we're kind of in that we're in a sort of dodgy place in so much as. A lot of our first team are really top class. And I don't think we sort of blinkered in, in saying that. No, so, to, so to get in some sort of marquee signing, we're going to be looking at, you know, 60 mil um, yeah. to, to, to bring anyone in. We haven't really got that sort of money to sort of just chuck willy-nilly. You know, we've had our hands burnt in the past from chucking mm-hmm. 30 million pounds at other shite. You know um, <laughs> that you know very well. Um, oh yeah, we've we've done that. We've done well, not he, not not to that extent, but we have we have spent money on shade for years. You know, a few um, players would be nice, but you know, I, I just I don't know. We, we we like I said, we've been talking about this before, and it's it's not the signing so much that bother me. It's it's our uh, it's us not sort of strapping down a few more of the lads on bigger contracts and such, but mm. do you worry about, do you worry about people coming in and taking away your, taking away your gems, you know, taking away your big players? Um, I, I mean, I've resigned myself to Deli Alley going, 
at some but point. Given the, the the way the market is now, we're going to have to take the GDP of a mid-sized nation to take him from us. Yeah, yeah. It, it's I mean it's the it's kind of the bail thing again, isn't it? Because that was a big amount of money for you guys. And I mean, what would what would that bail fee have been if it had been this year? You probably would have been looking at somewhere near what 100 million 120 million i don't know yeah, well um, I mean, it's close to 100 mil when we sold him before wasn't it so it, uh, it wasn't be far wasn't far but i mean 15 uh, what you've got to what you've got to do is if you do lose Dali Ali and, and you know you're kind of saying you're resigned to doing that then you have to replace him with with a really top class player and if you're going to get Barkley that, that amount of money. see i don't know about i, I like Ross Barkley he's all right but there's something about him which doesn't quite Fit. I don't know what it is. I can't decide what kind of player he is. I think he's just been severely mismanaged his entire career. Um, I agree with you. I don't think he's the greatest player in the world, but there's a part of me, sort of a really morbidly curious one, that wants to see what Pochettino will do with him because mm-hmm. his greatest successes as a manager is when he takes unfancied players, breaks them down to their constituent parts and then rebuilds them in his image. Yeah. I mean he did it with Carl Walker, which is why he's worth fifty million now. He did it with Danny Rose. He's he's done it with countless players to make them far better than we would ever have imagined. Yeah. And given that Barkley is the same, I mean there's some that are beyond hope, Moose Soko being the uh-huh. obvious case. Although <laughs> in pre season, to be fair to him against Juventus, uh Lickstein was on his ass against him. So oh. perhaps he'll have a a second season that's that's worthy of it, or maybe he's just after his move to Turkey. Yeah. Um, was that against against Juventus? Did you say? Yeah. Well, that's why. If you were playing, <laughs> if you were playing Shamrock Rovers, he would have been hiding and looking elsewhere and picking his nose. And do you know what I mean? He wouldn't wouldn't have been interested. You were against a big team. Um, was it on the telly that game by any chance? Did they show it live? Which one, the Juventus yeah. one? Yeah. Probably was, I think. Yeah, uh, you'll have known that. He knows what he's doing. He's not an idiot. But he played. In, he played in the Champions League for Tottenham against big players, and he was dog shitting them. So it's not as if he was. <laughs> his interest was any problem. Yeah. He just. He he's, just was he's bad. He's absolutely terrible, though. Oh, he's garbage. He's he's shocking. He's shocking. I remember us having a conversation about about him when he first signed for uh, for Newcastle, about how amazing he looked, and he did for about six weeks. Didn't he single-handedly win a game against Chelsea? Yeah, he didn't smashed him, didn't he? Absolutely yeah. smashed him. Yeah, he ended Ashley Cole's career in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I'm convinced you can actually, as he knocks the ball past Ashley Cole and runs past him, you can see Ashley Cole just think, oh, I might as well pack it in now, that's it. <laughs> I might as well pack it in. Or move to America, that'll do. Um, it's the same. It's the equivalent. It's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what happened with him. He, he, he's got He's got everything... To be a, a really good player, but he has absolutely zero football and intelligence whatsoever. Um, it's almost as if not trying for three seasons at Newcastle has caught up with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, when you when every time there's a transfer window, you're kind of making kissy faces at Champions League teams, um, and then if you're going to end up at some Turkish team who, you know, scraping around in the Turkish leagues. I mean, excuse me if I piss myself laughing, but I will. Do you know what I mean? He's, he, he deserves everything he gets, as far as I'm concerned. He's a heartless coward. <laughs> and I, I can't, I can't um, give him any higher accolade than that, I'm afraid. Um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sorry that you had to waste all that money on him and stuff. I really am, but 
you know. I think this is my biggest concern, though. Like when you to to take it back to your point as to are we going to sign anyone, spend any money? Is that it seems to be we're caught in this place of like trying to have this principled stance about it. Like you see some of the things that Levy's come out with about the market, about blah 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 blah, mm. but. I can just see as panic buying as when it gets close to the end of the market, because that to me, that Sissoko deal was so weird. It was so unlike everything we'd heard coming from Tottenham, all of the messages, all of the kind of, even the actions, everything that we've been doing, building a squad, promoting youth, working on the players that we had available to us, bettering them. Like Raj was saying, like Pochettino turning Carl Walker from a bit of a donkey to a fifty million pound player that is now probably going to win the league with City. Yeah. But then for us to just like rush out and buy Musa Sissoko, who, you know, I think like you know, I think from the outside, I don't think I ever looked at him at Newcastle and thought he's shite like I do now now I've seen him play for us <laughs> but I thought that's it he's, you he's, know why because the average but yeah the thing is with that is because you now you get to see what he's like every week when when before you see him the little highlights and that on match of the day or you might watch him once in a blue moon if there's a big game on the telly well we stood and watched him for for the best part of three years we stood and watched him be shite every week well, I watched I watched him physically give up. I watched him stop running in a game against Sunderland. A game against Sunderland, a, a tiny wee derby. He just stopped. This he is just the thing, though, in. You, you see certain things, though, with players like... Because, I mean, like on paper, you you look at how he performed in the Euros and you, you look at some of the things he does have and you think, well, he probably could work quite well for Spurs. He's quite, you know, physically, he's very athletic. Um, he's He's got a bit of pace on him. Um maybe he could perform some sort of a function for Spurs that perhaps he wasn't doing at Newcastle. Um, and I, I think, you know, as much as like people will sort of complain about players in their own teams, other people think, well, he might be able to do, do a job for us. And so I've sort of hoped that Sissoko could do something for Spurs. And yeah, oddly enough, since we lost Carl Walker, again, there is that part of me because I've seen a, um, a lad called Nathan who looks into a lot of Tottenham's tactics and stuff. We've had him on this pod before. And he was sort of floating the idea that if Pochettino doesn't want to go with Carl Walker-Peters because Trippier's been out, maybe we could place Sissoko as a right wing back or something like that. Mm. So there is that part of me thinks, well, maybe he did all right against Juventus. Maybe we could stick him in there again. Yeah, yeah do that. I'll tell you what, try that on <laughs> Try that on Sunday. Try that on Sunday against us. Go on, see how, how you get on. Oh, mate, well, you don't... He's playing you, though, so he's got... Um, exactly. He's He's ill want it against you a lot, so perhaps be careful what you wish for. If, if motivation's his issue, going back yeah. to the place where he's hated to be, uh, yeah, maybe to, to win, he's win the game. Let's be honest, he's shy. He's awful. I'd, I'd, I'd just love to hear the. I'd love to hear the noise he gets when he when he arrives at St James's Park. And I, I, just, I'd honestly say, given like I know I know Lamella's a divisive figure, and I'm, I'm so I'm not saying this from my own perspective because I actually really rate Eric Lamella. But I think even we both do. Yeah, I think even people that don't rate Lamella, I think even people that didn't see any value or anything to whatever it was that Soldado brought to the side, and same with Paulinho, I think everyone would probably comprehensively or overwhelmingly agree that Sissoko has just been the worst big money signing we've made in the past however many years. Like he, there's just there's 
There's, I don't know, Raj. Like, is there anything redeeming? Is there anything he's done for us at all that's been good? Um, I gen- no, yeah, can't he, think of anything. I think I, he had like one have, assist or something last season, but the, yeah, it's, the thing it's, is, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, I don't have any sort of visceral agenda or dislike for no. the lads at all to like to to want to like prove something to like, oh, let's get rid or whatever. It, like to me, it's just I, I just don't see what he's done. There's very few things in the world that unite Spurs as a fan base. There's always something that people can find factions and and things they disagree over. <laughs> that you know, Harry Kane is probably one thing that everybody agrees he's fantastic. He's the best thing since sliced bread. The other is that Moose Soko is dog shit. Yeah, yeah. He, he united our fans in a way we've never been united before. <laughs> <laughs> we. <laughs> We spent all oh, that that night, that transfer deadline night when when he went to you guys, man. We because we were all praying, like you know, go on, he's gonna go, he's gonna go. And then Everton came in. Oh, it's thirty, it's twenty five million, it's thirty million. He's gonna go to Everton, and we were like, yes, he's going to Everton, brilliant. And oh no, the last minute he's gone to Spurs, and honestly, thirty. Oh man, and and the thing is though, I shouldn't laugh because we're not gonna see a penny of that money to spend. We <laughs> we had we had a forty million pound transfer surplus profit before we went down um which is is not there anymore i'm not sure i know we spent a bit in the championship but we didn't spend that much um and then you add that to to what we made when we saw winaldum and when we saw uh uh who was the other jan matt and uh, tovan and people like cabela went and and all those players they add all that money up there's quite a handsome amount of money there um and we've spent this season we've spent thirty-three million pounds and recouped eleven. Um, and they're saying we're skint, you know. The 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 word on the street is that we're skinned. Um You'll stay know. up though. You reckon you'll stay up? Uh, well I think there's enough dog shit in that league that we will, yeah. I think there's I think there's enough there's enough average teams in that bottom half that, that we can that we it's can. It's not just up. the bottom half. I think from ninth down in the Premier League, anyone is as likely to go down as anyone else. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but I do think, I think we'll stay up. I don't think we'll be comfortable. I mean, I'll take, I'll take a, a Jack Colback uh, shinned goal on the last day of the season in the 94th minute. If it's, even if it's offside and handball, I don't care. Um, I'll take it if we finish 17th on goal difference. Do you know what I mean? If we stay up. But I don't want to go through the relegation thing again. Like, that was just, that's just too much, man. You know? How do you think Spurs will do? I think you'll be up there. I think you'll be there or thereabouts. I think you've got a good team, a great manager. Um, if you keep a hold of Deli Ali, which you know you're saying you're resigned to losing him, but if you can keep him for this season, maybe I think he'll he'll do the business again along with with uh, with Kane and Ericsson. Oh fuck, I love Ericsson. Jesus, oh, he's um, brilliant, isn't he? It's, oh, it's very nice to hear a non-Spurs fan sort of notice him now as well, like because he he definitely goes under the radar and he's fucking class. Like he's so good. Love that player. I love that player so much. He's. Do you know where it is? I could watch him for hours. He reminds me of um. He reminds me of Iniesta, the way Iniesta plays, the way he just glides round the pitch he seems to know everything before it's happened like a but, but, you, it's happened. but you know the funny thing is yeah we talk about like fans not being behind something you genuinely you have a, a section and it's it's not even a small section quite a few spurs fans that get on his back because he doesn't get stuck in enough 
fucking idiots. It's like, you know. Honestly, this is this is what ruined. This is the problem with English football, as far as I'm concerned. The whole get stuck in thing—it's bullshit. This is why we're miles behind the likes of Spain and Germany and players like and teams like that, you know. And this is why the whole like John Terry bulldog spirit, grrr, passion—it wins you now if you can't play football. And you can play without that. Do you know what I mean? You look at some of the players that 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 have played for Spain down down the last few years, the people who won everything going, people like David Silva and, and, and Iniesta and Xavi and people like that, they weren't blood and thunder and muck and bullets type of players. They were proper footballers who knew who knew the game inside out and could could pick a pass and all that sort of stuff. We don't have many of those players in England. You know, we don't create those players because when you go down the leagues and you go down into the grassroots and you go down into the non-league stuff, it's all about smash him, get stuck in, put your head in there, get your head on it, you know. And I find it quite depressing, really, that we don't produce players like that very much. Once in a blue moon, we'll have a Gaza or or a Peter Piedsley, um, or a Deli Ali, somebody or like a that. D- exactly, or a Deli Ali, yeah. Yeah, Cause, yeah. He's because he's got that. He's got because he's not a big lad. I know he likes. He's, I know he's a, he can be a little shit sometimes. I've seen that. He's a nasty little shit sometimes. Yeah. But he's not a he's not a, a muck and bullets kind of player, is he? Do you know what I mean? You're not likely to see him come off with a with a bandage on his head with blood pouring down his face. He's he, but he's got the he's got the touch and he's got the technique and he caresses the ball when he passes it. You know what I mean? And and he looks comfortable. We never. He's, oh yeah, sorry, Matt. Go on, carry on. I was going to say we never we, we we very rarely produce players who look comfortable on the ball. You know, even the best players we've produced for the last twenty years. Who would you, who would you consider to be the best players we've produced? People like Lampard, Scholes, Scholes. He, uh, Do you know what? Michael Carrick? I, I think he's class, and he's he's gone the, on the worst. The worst thing. The worst thing that happened to Michael Carrick was he plays in a position that nobody in this country gives a fuck about. <laughs> nobody cares if you're a defensive midfielder no one cares the, 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 nobody cares about you he, uh-huh. he, he could stand there and do that job with his eyes closed for the rest of his life and he wouldn't get noticed you put him um, 20 yards further forward and get him to do a step over and everyone would be wanking him off until the sun went down but because he does the simple things properly and he keeps the, the team going he, he he went under the radar for so long, and because because he had the the two babies, Gerard and Lampard, fighting out for a position in midfield for so long, everyone forgot about the fact we had one of the most gifted midfielders that we've ever produced in Paul Scholes sitting there, and we had Michael Carrick as well, and we were pu- we weren't playing Carrick, and we were pushing Scholes out onto the wing. Mate, in terms in terms travesty. of our development as a team, like as a team unit, Carrick is the biggest blow we've had. You know, other than Modric, like our, our our development as a side, like it, it completely bottomed us out when United took Carrick off of us. We were rudderless again. I mean, if the, I, like he's absolutely class. I mean, if was. I can drag this kicking and screaming back to Newcastle for a second, um, we had Carrick. He, he he came for a trial under Bobby Robson. He was there. He was our player. We, we could have signed is him. He, he, played, he is a Geordie, isn't he? He played for Walls End Boys Club. He, he's born and bred in, on the, uh, in the North East. Um, and he should have been a Newcastle player. And, and what we could have achieved if we'd had him. And then the other player you mentioned, Modric. Well, fuck me. We told his agent that he wasn't good enough for the Premier League because he wanted too much money. Arsene Wenger did as well, mate. To be when, fair, Arsene Wenger too much too money. We, we, 
We paid um, Luka Modric 16 grand uh, a week until when he first joined us. Well, at the time, we had Derek Lambayas, and um, it was when Keegan was here. Uh, Keegan wanted him and uh, in his second period, you know. And Lambayas and Ashley decided, nah, he's not good enough. He's not, you know, he's too lightweight. Let's steal that word. I fucking hate it. Um, and, and the, well, and uh, Harry Redknapp played him left wing when he first came because he, he didn't think he had the the nous about him to be a central midfielder. So he had to prove himself out wide in almost a skulls for England fashion before he got the chance to be the best midfielder in the world in the middle of yeah. the Spurs team. Was that not because Harry Redknapp had his, his lad Nico Crancho playing in the middle at the time? <laughs> <laughs> Probably we had about four different Croatians at that point because we had Char Luca yeah. and the uh, the goalkeeper that never played. Something definitely going Stipe on between Peterklosa. That's the one. My word, my word. There's a name. He was good. No, he, he used to be good in Football Manager. When I sort of the last few iterations, I play. I don't play it anymore. But <laughs> way back when he was, uh, yes. he was. We a, also did a, a funny thing with. Um, well, it, it was while Peterklosa was there. We bought. The rights to Begovic before Portsmouth, yeah. What the maybe? fuck was that about? It was something then, really bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah, and then he obviously wanted to go somewhere else, but it was too late because we'd already sort of mm. we had the rights to him, so we made money out of him, even though I don't think he'd ever hit someone like so three as, mil or something, didn't we? As well, it was an all right yeah, sum of money. It was, it was a weird little uh, quirk we managed to work out with that. Strange, like Mike Ashley buying that you bought like the image rights. You bought the, you know, you bought the, you bought the right to sell his socks, or something. Yeah. But you didn't actually buy the player. Yeah, we had. I remember us buying. We bought Brad Friedel. Um, we had him. He came. He was training with us, and then we couldn't get a work permit for him, so he couldn't sign. And then about a week later, I think he signed for Liverpool. <laughs> still, <laughs> still not quite sure how that happened. But there you go. All right. So in terms of the game, who, who, who we got to look out for? Who's your, your, your key? Your key player, and what's the score going to be? Um, stop Shelby, and you'll stop everybody in our team, basically. Everything goes through Shelby. That's not hard. I mean, I joked about him earlier, but John Joe Shelby is one of the most overrated players in the world at the moment. Uh-huh. That's probably too much because uh-huh. I would put him on a world level, but he, he was all right for the championship last season. I think... Um, he's now Aaron Moy. I think when he's firing, he's good. Um when he can't be asked, he's he's a liability and he's a bit he's a bit of a waste of a shirt. But when he's firing, I think from a passing point of view, I don't think there's many players who play like that um anymore, who who kinda he, he plays really deep for us, you know, he almost takes the ball off the defence. Um I I know what you But for every one great Hollywood ball, there's ten dog shit ones. Yeah, but I I mean, you know, if you watch us if you watch us for 90 minutes, not every ball is a Hollywood one, you know. I think he, he can play the simple balls um, and he can bring other players into play and all that sort of stuff. He, he can still do a good job in midfield. He still likes a tackle um, and, he, and he'll, he'll weigh in with the odd goal here and there as well. I don't think he's... I mean, he's not Johan Cruyff, let's be honest. Um, he's not even Geordie Cruyff. <laughs> <laughs> but, at, but at the minute, he seems to be the person that everything we do goes through. Now, w- when we lost him last season, there was a couple of games when he didn't play and you felt it. And it kind of looked like everyone was waiting for permission to pass the ball forward. 
And I mean, if you're if you if Jack Colback hasn't got permission to pass the ball forward, he'll just turn around and run sideways all, all day long and pass it backwards, you know. So I think it was like Shelby kind of started everything off. Um, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I know, I know what you mean about him being being overrated. I don't I don't put as much on him as what a lot of our fans do. That he's some godlike genius figure. I don't, I'm not I'm not sure about that. Um, it's always been his his temperament and sort of his ability to rein himself in that I've always found sort of most egregious. Oh, he's, I, he'd, he'd be the type of talent that I would be really frustrated with because he's clearly got the ability to be a better player than he is. He just doesn't appear smart enough to, you know, unlock his own potential. Oh, he's, he's thick as mints. I think, you know, it, it goes without saying, he's absolutely dim. He's dumb as a post. But... um. I'd, I don't know. I think when he's playing well, I, I, there's nobody in our team who does that kind of job. There's nobody who can do it. So if he's playing well and you don't play him, then you're kind of you're shooting yourself in the foot a little bit because we don't have anybody else. So I, I think we're limited in what we can do. I think, but he'll play. He'll play on against Spurs, and if you can nullify him, you'll you'll nullify the entire team. You know, um, I'll, I'll take a draw now. I, absolutely snap my hands off for a draw right now. Um, but I think you'll probably win, to be honest. 2-0, I reckon. 2-0 to Spurs. 2-0 Spurs. Yep. All right, mate. Well, we'll, uh, we'll no doubt speak to you after you're basking in the the warm glow of another 3-4 niller to you to get our season off underway. We never... Oh, no, I'm yeah. not looking forward to it, mate. I'm not looking forward to it. But um It'll be fine, man. Honestly, just you know, like <laughs> we've we've been in the championship for a year. We'll not be ready. We've had we we look at the championship as like a spa weekend. We like just go down, rejuvenate, <laughs> have a bit of a have a bit of a detox. You know what I mean? And then There's no spa that involves going to Rotherham. Well, there is a spa shop in Rotherham, I think that counts. <laughs> Where, where's where's Bestie, by the way, as well, actually? Um, I don't know. Part-time. I think part time. Doing his nails or something, or shaving his back, one of the two. Um, he's, Not the sack uh, or the crack, though. No, just the back. Um, he, um, I messaged him to say, you know, we're doing this, but obviously he's 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 busy with other things. Bless him. Have you um got an update on the the film at all as well? The film is in post production. We've so it's all in the can. It's all in the can. Um, oh, it's all in the can. We've we've filmed everything now that we can possibly film. Um, we now have a day, a month to work on it, which isn't much, uh, okay. the equivalent of, um, but hopefully we'll get something up before Christmas. I'm, I, I mean, the last year without wanting to go too deep into, into personal stuff, the last year has been quite up and down for, for a lot of us. Um, mm. and it's kind of, it's, it's the, the films have to go on the back burner a bit, you know? Uh, yeah, which I feel a bit guilty about because obviously people have put money into it and stuff, and I want to get it out there. I want people to see it. Um, but stuff like family and and jobs and stuff have to take priority over that kind of stuff when you're That's not. Right. Life life gets in the way. Yeah, yeah. Life's what happens to you when you're making other plans, mate. As John yeah. said. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll we'll hopefully get we'll those. There's going to be a trailer for that coming very very soon, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Um, Excellent. Full trailer. So we'll we'll keep you updated with that. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward. Look to forward it. to seeing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, give us your um, your honest opinion. If it, if you think it's dog shit, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Might not put it in those words, but you know we'll try our best, mate. <laughs> Close.
Yeah. All right, so it's been an absolute pleasure, Gomez. It's good to have you back on the show and uh, enjoy the season, lad. Thanks a, lot, thanks a lot, boys. It feels nice to be back. Cheers, Taylor. Thank you very much. And we're not actually faking it this time. We did speak to Taylor in between these two bits of conversation. So this isn't our very good acting, as we usually pull off. Um, but uh, how, how are you feeling about that? The, the fix you made just in brief like because i i i hate playing newcastle i hated that 5-1 it was miserable it was a, honestly one of the lowest points of my life as a spurs fan i know how ridiculous that sounds but yeah. it it was just fucking miserable that game they're gonna defend um and they're gonna try and stink the place out essentially and, and play on the break because that's how benitez usually sets up against teams he's a bit of a proto Mourinho, isn't he Yes, but in a less sort of um, in a less glory-filled manner, perhaps you know, Mourinho almost thrives on the fact that he does that. Is almost a, an art to his shit housing, whereas you know, I'd compare Rafa Benitez's style to more sort of hiding behind your mate and then throwing out a punch once you know the ghost is clear. Mm. So there's it's, he, I am, as I said, when we spoke to Bestie, I've, I've never really rated him as a coach or a manager. There's just something about him that rubs me up the wrong way. Um, but you, you can't really take his successes away from him. And if if there's a way to beat Tottenham, there he is as likely to anyone to identify it. The ability of his players to see that out is an entirely different matter. Um, but. Um, you know, Poch generally gets the better of, of of managers like that. Anyway, I think that I know a lot is made of like Klopp, and that Klopp has a bit of a hoodoo over Poch. But I don't think it's so much Klopp having anything in the way of a tactical masterstroke against us. I just think the the one the one weakness about Spurs that we still have is we don't like teams that play in the same way that we do, and Liverpool. They play in a very similar way to us. It's very high tempo. It's yeah. very aggressive, and I think that's the that's the only type of football I've really seen a struggle with. Like Monaco did that to us to a fucking nth degree in the Champions League, and they wiped the fucking floor with us. Um, well, it's almost as if that Spurs have an upper hand in in the way they play against teams that give them respect. Yeah, yeah. When when he when he comes a, a, against somebody that is almost praised for the same things he's praised of. It's almost if he, the temptation to sort of prove that he is better at that thing than the other person is, rather than, you know, taking a, a back backward step to, you know, have an advantage in the game and slightly, yeah you know, slightly concede on, on some of his, you know, more aggressive areas of his tactics. But he, he's got that in him. That's what I love about Pozzo. He's, he's he's so human, isn't he? Yeah, well, it's, it's, is, it's like, like he's playing poker against um, yeah. Klopp and rather than knowing he's got a, a shit hand and it could go 50-50, yeah. he, he, he rather puts everything in than folds. He, you know, that's yeah, the way he behaves. It's, it's, he does have that sort of gun in, big lad. Give it a go. Doesn't he sort of attitude about him and I... I don't I fucking love the man. Yeah. Um, I I I think we're gonna lose it though, mate. I think we're gonna get off on an on an L to start the season. I think you? at worst we'll draw, but I think we should win fairly comfortably. And I think uh, I think Kane will score a couple. I can see him picking up where he left off last season. I, you know, he appears to have um, 
gone up another gear towards the end of last season. And he looks every bit the fucking superstar now, yeah, doesn't he? In a in a sort of in a World Cup year where he's been given the England captaincy once already, and you know, he, there the thing that I was actually planning to write about it this month, but I've taken a month off freelancing to get the book finished. Is so I'll waste the content on here. So if you see anybody write this column, they know you know where they got it from. Um, <laughs> is the fact that everyone's been speaking about all the other strikers coming into the league, Maratta and Lukaku, not coming into the league, but moving. Shy, shy. Uh, Lacazette. The fact that shy. all these people are, are getting all the headlines. Harry Kane seems to have been forgotten about a little bit, and that seems the best place for him because we've seen it's in the past... It's fucking brilliant, isn't it? Be we've like... seen in the past that when people have written him off and when he isn't the one that is getting the praise he deserves... That almost spurs him on. Towards the end of last season, when we won those games 6 and 7-1, he was the central reason behind that because he wanted to prove he was a better forward than everyone else by winning those golden boots. And the fact that that means enough to him as a sort of an individual and that residually means that the team is better because he's scoring the goals. It's not as if he ever it was ever sort of cost the team at all that he played in the way that he played because the only time he was ever, you could accuse him of being selfish at all was once the league had gone and all we had to do was secure second. And the fact that he banged in what two hat tricks in a row and then four in one game as well. It, it was exceptional to watch. And I think the fact that he's not been the one that people have been writing headlines about and it's been everyone else. He's going to go, I'm worth twice as much as Lukaku. I'm better than Lacazette's ever been. Maratta has got this reputation, although he's never scored regularly. He's been at big clubs, so that's why people think of a lot of him. And, you know, he could go either way. He wants to be the one, again, that people are forced to talk about because it's almost as if there's a reluctance to to shout from the rooftops about him when there's an alternative there. You, you know, the, the thing about Kane is, mate, like, I... I was banging on about it earlier on in the summer. Like I, I found this, um, some, some lad essentially created this, this tool online for want of a better way of putting it, where you could, you, you could, <laughs> where you could, you could, you could essentially pick out any Premier League strikers and see their year by year goal tally yeah. um, and where it all came from. And it was, it was, it's weird to have this revelation at 32 years of age, but just in the back of my mind, I've always thought top quality strikers, like uh, the, the type that are, you know, engraved into your mind through the, through the annals of Premier League history, like your Burkamps, your Henri's, I mean, Henri's, for example, because he's absolutely class. But all these kind of like, yeah, Dwight York, Andy Cole, Cantona. Robbie Fowler, Cantona. Yeah, exactly. These players. In the back of my mind, I, I, like without even thinking about without thinking about the numbers, about their actual goal tallies. Assume kind of 30. Thing. That's it. You just assume at least 25 goals a season. That's it. But that's not the fucking case at all. Most of these lads were notching. 10, 12 goals. Then on a good season, they were hitting 25 goals. But what Harry Kane has actually done to date in his career is on a trajectory with Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry, those echelon of Premier League players. Like this season already, he's most likely going to overtake 
goal tallies off people like Cristiano Ronaldo. And people think, oh, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't play in the league that long. Harry Kane has played in the Premier League for, I think, two less seasons, two less full seasons than Ronaldo did. And he's probably already going to surpass his goal-scoring record. And I know, all right, Ronaldo didn't play as an out-and-out striker, but still, don't give a shit. The man's famed for his goals. Like, I don't know. Harry Kane is... He's absolutely phenomenal. And I think people now, begrudgingly, the masses are starting to kind of submit to it now. Because they have to. You're a fucking idiot if you don't rate Harry Kane now. Like, you're just a moron. That's it. You, you're a belligerent fuckwit. And that's... that's, that's the Tell only us how you it. really feel, Jack. Like, from one belligerent fuckwit to another, you know... He's he's just the boy, isn't he? Yes. Um, he's going to win the golden boot again. He will. Yeah. Like I said, the, the best thing for him is for people to not underrate him, but for them not to pay him the respect they appear more willing to do for everyone else. Just because he hasn't moved clubs or you know he hasn't been in the centre of the focus all summer because he's not in the middle of some protracted transfer saga or what have you or nobody's tried to buy him or or you know stuff like that i imagine if i'd I'd want to see what had happened the day that somebody rings up daniel levy and asks for harry kane because he really is going to be that sort of dr evil moment where he puts his little finger to the side of his mouth and says a billion pounds um he's everything to this club he's the emblem of tottenham now yes he is he is this club He's everything to it. And it's not just... A, like The the thing is... The day that he, Harry Kane is sold is the day we riot. It's, well, this is it, mate. Unless he goes con- to... His contribution he... on the pitch is so significant, but his contribution off the pitch is equally significant for Spurs. And I don't think we've had a player like... Well, probably Ledley King. Since but Ledley, Ledley King... Yeah, yeah. But again, like with Ledley, we... we hardly had him at our disposal. He was such a luxury to have because of his injury problems. I can't, I honestly cannot think of a player as important to Spurs. And I hate to say it, but he who shall not be named, you know, it's that, it's that sort of level, but he's, he's just, he's everything to Spurs. He's, he's, and we we ain't mate. We ain't. I don't even think we'd take 200 mil for him. I honestly, honestly don't think we would. Well, no, I don't think we do either. Well, fuck him. We're not sending him anyway. He's, he's one of those players that the club know the only way to make that an acceptable thing in terms of um, from a PR standpoint, which I really hate going back to, but this is the way that football... Yeah, but it's, it is, mate. It's all part of the game. Um, part of the game. Game's gone. Game's gone, mate. He will have to go to another Nike club um, because they won't want awesome. him to, they, yeah, they won't want him sold to an Adidas club. So that's what PSG. I think Bayern are Adidas as well. Um, yeah, and he he will have to go for a world record fee because there's no way that you can spin it other than saying we were offered more money for him than any other player's ever been offered before. Um, I think re- realistically speaking, two fifty mil, we'd probably take that. Yeah. Yeah, but that—that's to like that is genuinely the 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 derided figure that we all laughed at. That was a he was a meme. The lad was a he was literally a meme. He had that chill. Everybody, I got this. When Soldado <laughs> and really Adebayor did. were injured, 
people posted a picture of Harry Kane looking gormless saying, chill everybody, <laughs> I got this. And he fucking did have it. Like, look where we are now. And it's insane. It is absolutely... And this is the, like, you know, we're talking about simulated reality. We are living in Harry Kane's simulated reality. His or Ed Sheeran's, either way, but... <laughs> One of the two. Ed Sheeran um, Game of Thrones is one of the worst war crimes I've ever seen in my life. We'll go on to that. We'll, we will go on. <laughs> we'll, we'll just finish brushing on the football, and then we'll, we'll go to Game of Thrones. I just wanted to say, every time I think of him, because I think he's shit, but the fact Perfect. that he turned up in that was even worse. Samuel Jones, Jam Scones, 95, friend of the show. He says, assuming we get a right back, any other position that needs strengthening. I personally think we need another pacey winger striker. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree exactly with what he's saying. I, you know, that 30 mil that we balked at for Zaha last year. I know you can't apply this sort of relativism to, to football, especially the way the market's gone, but looks like a mighty good deal to me now. I, I, I would like a player like, like Zaha in the team. Um, I'd actually, you know, what? I'd actually prefer Zaha, to Mares, and people might mug me off for that, but I think Zaha's actually got got more to his game than Mares does. He might not be quite as explosive as Mares. This, uh, uh, this is my thought on Mares. I've never seen Mares really do anything that smart. If you get what I mean, a lot of what he does that's positive to me relies just on him being explosive, and he's like a he's like a better Andrus Townsend. I kind of feel. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. Yeah. I just don't think he's a particularly smart player. Mm-hmm. And I think Zaha, I'm not like saying that Zaha's fucking up there with someone like Ericsson or Modric or whatever, but I think he's 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 adapted and he's developed a lot. Whereas, you know, when he was sort of in at Palace in the early days and made that switch to United, he probably was a sort of, you know, your typical kind of pacey winger that has a shot on him. Um, you always had scared. a bit of a thing for Zaha, though. Yeah, but I, I think, I think he's, I think he has improved a lot. I think he's like he's a knockdown. He's he's a Poundland Raheem Sterling, who I, I sincerely rate very highly. Um, but to me, Zaha's like a Poundland version of that, and I would have, I would have quite liked him at Spurs, but whatever, it's not happening. Um, but I would quite like to see. I think we've been linked with Keita Baldy. Baldy, I'm going to call him Baldy, um, from Lazio past few days. So maybe there'll be somewhat on that. But, um, I mean, with Lamella looking dead. Every with... time we're linked with a winger this summer, I've noticed it more than once. It happened with Lamar. It happened with uh, the guy's name I never remember at Nice and stuff. We're linked with them. And, like, it's like a, a 5 million to 10 million fee. Like, oh, Spurs are interested in this cheap winger from, you know, one of these leagues. And then overnight, it suddenly becomes like, no, he's genuinely the next big thing, and he's worth sixty. And it's something like, where the yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. did that come from? Like, how how's this happened? I swear, like, it happened that year with Anthony Martial. Do you not remember? Like, apparently Spurs had bid like fifteen million for him, and then Man United bought him for fifty, rising to a hundred million or something silly, whatever that stupid instalments were. So I'd do for him in our team, Martial. Like, he he to me would be the perfect signing for us. Yeah, as bad as it sounds, um, one player that I think is perfect for Pochettino, but for obvious reasons, wouldn't probably come or wouldn't be sold is Danny Welbeck. Um, Because, you know, 
the way he he's sort of almost a defense first attacking winger, and he scores goals and he's awkward and he's he's every, he's everything you'd want from a Pochettino player, but he's at Arsenal, so you know, and, and that's unrealistic. But that's the type of player you'd want to see come in. Yeah, probably. I've, I've been a sort of bit dismissive of Welbeck in the past when we were when we were linked to him, but no, I, I didn't. I'd agree with you on that. Now that he's yeah, he is, isn't he? Really? He's just going to fit the system. Really, that turn you off him. But everyone team. seems to get injured at Arsenal. I don't know what the fuck they play out there, man. They're such a dead club, though. Like, I don't even think about them so much at the moment. You know, I just think we're just significantly better than them. I shouldn't have shy. I couldn't care less about Arsenal now. They're a bit, a bit West Ham. <laughs> I'm not even saying that to like be like, or Bobby Big Balls. It's like we got that monkey off our back by finishing above them now. And now they just, that sort of gloss has gone from them a bit. Like San- yeah. Sanchez wants out. Lacazette is, let's be honest, Lacazette's like, he seems like the sort of player that we bought a few years ago to be like, yeah, he's, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Like, he'll probably be all right for him. But, you know, I don't know. Dead club. They're shit. They're boring. Boring shit character of this club. Um, so, yeah. I think I got your point at the first boring shit, to be honest. Oh, man, I just can't. I like saying it. I like saying it. They're not in the Champions League. They'll probably win the fucking Europa, won't they, the cunts? But, you know. Um, Lily White. Uh, Lily White Alley. But it's not an Alley. He's done it with an exclamation mark. I don't know. Lily White all. Um, he asks us why hasn't the Ross Barkley signing been announced yet? Deal is done, I've heard. Um, I mean, well, I don't know who you've been listening to, Lily White all. Um, please give us your ITK. But I mean, I I don't know about you, Raj. I, I it it's it's a done deal in my eyes, so it's gonna happen before the end. It seems so, inevitable, doesn't it? Yeah. I, but we're not he's got a year left on his contract, right? This this is the thing for me. He's got a year left on his contract. They want 40 mil. Not a fucking chance are we giving a player that wants out of the club and has a year left on his contract. We're not giving Everton 40 million pounds for that. Not a chance. No, 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 no. It'll be it'll be sort of 18 to 20 yeah. rising to 20, 25. Um it'll be one of those deals where Everton are given the opportunity to say he's worth more than we've actually paid for him and we can say he's worth less and you know both teams win that'll be it yeah they'll say with potential to rise to 30 mil and we'll have it yeah it'll rise to 30 mil if he scores 40 goals in his first season if he gets 100 international caps in his time playing with us blah 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 but the figure will work out to be more like 22 mil or something like that won't it in reality um so, yeah, I reckon Ross Barkley's going to sign. We'll probably, I don't know who the fuck else will sign, to be honest, but it'll be, uh, I, I pretty much see him coming. So, um, and it'll be interesting. Be interesting. Where, where, just very sort of briefly, what do you see him doing for us? Because I sort of, I naturally assumed he might be like a successor to, we might sort of groom him and train him up to be a successor to Ali when Ali inevitably goes. But, uh, so, I think he'll play deeper. Well, that's it. Yeah, I've seen this sort of floated as well. So do you, do you sort of subscribe to that then? Yeah, he'll either play deeper or he'll play on the wing. It was one of the two. 
um, like the right side of the front three, one of the ones who can swap with Ericsson and Ali. Sort of how essentially Pochettino wanted Sissoko to play. Mm. So he's not an orthodox winger, but he's sort of got the speed and stuff to, to do that job. And I think we probably still need an out-and-out winger over the top because I wrote a piece a month or so ago saying we've never properly replaced peak Aaron Lennon, um, which I think is true still. Um, But I can see him sort of filling in in several positions. I hope he's given sort of a speciality and, you know, leave it to Pochettino to decide what he wants to do with him. But I can see him being better than he was at Everton for us. Just because he doesn't have the pressure of being the club player there. Um, and like I said, when we spoke to Taylor, I think he's been grossly mismanaged his entire career. And that sort of, you know, stunted his progression and perhaps a, a fresh change and a better coach and, you know, a bit of direction and stuff will, will be better for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not overly enamoured with it, but I'm not against it. I think he's, I think he's a sound player. Yeah, like yeah. I said before, it's sort of, it's morbid curiosity for yeah. anyone. Than anything yeah, else. he's all right. He's not bad, you know. So, come on, you Spurs. Um, very quickly, because it has been quite a long pod. It is the start of a new season, so I think everyone was expecting it, and you know, more full them if we weren't expecting one from us. <laughs> Would just, we'll go because it's 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 the main talking point in television at the moment. Game of Thrones. Because um, I know everyone's very conscious of spoilers and all this type of stuff, and I think you're not even fully up to date on it yet. No, I'm one episode behind. That's you. it. But we have we sort of spoken off air a little bit about it. Um, yeah, well, we text about it last week, don't we? I'm still, yeah, you know, I'm still, I'm in, I'm enjoying it. This is the thing, don't we? I'm enjoying it. I'm so bought into the to the storyline now that I'm going to struggle to not enjoy it unless it goes catastrophically badly like something like Lost did it's going to be hard for me to to lose the thread with Game of Thrones however it's it's not it's not great is it mate they are rushing it a bit yeah that's that's the thing that we've been saying it's almost as if since they've been able to um to write and sort of point the show in the direction themselves without the books being in place to almost put a rein on them. The writing does feel a little bit more rushed and sloppier than it had done previously, just because they'd always in past seasons always seemed to be a rhyme and a reason for something. There was always something planted at the start of a season that you thought was insignificant that would come back and turn out to be the entire crux of that arc. But at the moment sort of everyone seemed to be, going across seas every two minutes with no real, you know, time lapse at all. People keep cropping up in the most convenient of circumstances. People open a book and it's suddenly on the page. They That's need it, and... right? It's just, it's all a bit... <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's not it's of the same. Like, I, I mean, I, again, I don't want to go into like, spoiler stuff, but they're just sort of introducing story threads and then wrapping them up in an episode or half an episode that you think why even bother doing it at all it's not really enhanced the story that much i mean yeah without going into it too much i think like the whole iron island side story it's just been so shoehorned in for no real massive or worthwhile payoff thus far at least yeah 
I mean, there's 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 all sorts of weird things like that. I mean, the thing that gets me is that the world building and stuff was so good in previous seasons and and people would spend sort of what used to take three or four episodes to come into fruition is now taking sort of half an hour um and that used to be the glory of game of thrones was that it wasn't just amazing action and the the sort of quality and production quality and everything was the best you'd ever seen on television before and stuff like that but it was the fact that the writing was given time to air and when a payoff came it felt worthwhile and it really doesn't anymore it just sort of it almost feels obvious and you can almost second guess it in a way that you couldn't previously and i guess that's sort of somewhat obvious given that it's coming towards its end so you know it well enough to guess which ti- which things are going to have to be tied off and what questions need answering but it it somehow feels less um less less fulfilling than it had done previously and that's you know much much the same as you that's not to say i'm enjoying it it's still the thing i look forward to watching most and still the thing i'm most conscious of making time for but it's not the same sort of you know it's not as high quality as it has been in the past mate talking of high quality drama one thing that's uh, literally just dropped. Have you seen the sun? There's uh the sun is gonna go out tomorrow with an exclusive a sensational interview um from an international uh yeah Premier League superstar opens his heart to the sun in a sensational interview that is going to leave one top six side reeling and the rest of them scrambling for their checkbooks. International ace is set to cause a storm days before the start of the Premier League season. A lot of people are saying this is going to be Danny Rose, mate. Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll wait to see how that... We'll find out then, won't we? Yeah. That's not going to be fun. That's a nice way to end this this week's podcast, I think. Um, fuck. I hope it's not. If you want to listen to all of the previous episodes of All The Rich Podcast, get up to speed, you know, with, with this season. See what we're all about. If you're not listening to us so far, if you're new to the show, um, you can see us. You know, we're a bit rusty at the moment, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Listen to us in our glory days. Um, this is a pre-season. That's it, exactly. On iTunes or Acast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at RTR underscore pod. I've actually been going around to some of the guys that we speak to on this podcast as well, pulling together a preseason preview article that I'm going to put on. Oh, shit, I still need to do that. You do, you, mate, you do. Um, Sorry. That's all right. Um, you know, you're, you're, one of the, you're one of the inner circle, mate. You know, you, you are us. So we as us. Um whatever the saying was basically i'm putting out an article um where all the other team fans are talking about how they think spurs are going to do the season so publishing that tomorrow probably ahead of the season maybe friday actually um we'll see but uh yeah follow us come to rtrpod.com listen to old episodes of the pods acast itunes listen to it all thank you very much come on you spurs
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.